Welcome to the Aquarian Living Podcast. I am Naomi Richardson, your host. I am a Kundalini Yoga teacher, life and meditation coach, and I am here to create a connection with others who live mindfully through the practice of Kundalini Yoga, wellness, and spirituality. Welcome to episode two. I hope everybody got to listen to episode one and enjoyed it. Um, I just wanted to talk about there was a little inconsistency with the episode coming out on a Saturday. I know I said that I wanted to do every other Monday, and it was and that one was going to come out on a Friday. But I had some technical difficulties that set me back a little bit, and I've done everything myself for this podcast. But I had to ask for a little bit of help, so we got we had it straightened out, and um, it's all good. We know what the issue is now. Um, but um, I'm going to release the episodes, I believe, every other Tuesday. So um, it's going to be a little inconsistent in the beginning, but I'm going to try really hard to be consistent in the future. Um, So today, um, you're going to hear my conversation with the beautiful Jackie Brown. I was so grateful that she came by and got to talk with me, and it was a really, really, really good conversation. Um, so I hope you enjoy it. Let's go ahead and get started. Hey everyone. Um, I'm here with Jackie Brown. She's a Kundalini yoga teacher, practitioner in acupuncture, sound healer, and essential oil believer or entrepreneur. (laughs) I know you're into it. I I didn't know how to say that. Anything else you want to add to that title? No, I think that's good. I do my research. (laughs) I think I feel honored to be here. Awesome. Great. I'm glad you're here too. I'm so glad. Um, So I've kind of been starting off in the beginning with everybody's journey just into spirituality and kundalini yoga. So I kind of start with where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? Okay. Okay. So um, I grew up in St. Louis with my grandparents, mostly my grandmother. My grandfather traveled. My mom had me really young, and she kind of got into the world of uh, drugs and substance abuse, and that ended up taking her life down Mm -hmm. the line. And, you know, when I was 15, I just couldn't wait to leave. So being from St. Louis, you can go every which direction rather quickly. It's in the very center of this country. Mm -hmm. And so I did. I started running away to San Francisco and L.A. and, you know, rainbow gatherings and was really seeking community is what I was seeking. And... um, I realized later that, you know, Yogi Bhajan said this when he brought Kundalini here um, from India in 1969. He's, he came to, you know, Grateful Dead shows and all these concerts and whatnot. And he said, this is the connection that you're really looking for. And it was, you know, I started going on tour with bands and would follow bands around all over the country. And I ended up doing massage in the music industry and eventually, you know, at Red Rocks and Pepsi and all the, the big venues in Denver and Boulder. Um, but I realized that I found a home in the music industry and in the music scene. And that included a lot of sex, drugs and rock and roll <laughs> for a really long time, which I'm not knocking. It was super fun. Yeah. <laughs> but with that came a lot of tragedy. You know, I, mm. I had at one point my best friend tuck me in and go take her own life. That's when I was 23. 
and I had a lot of friends die of overdose and suicide in general. And um, when I was 20, I remember I lived in Boulder and I said, I want to start doing yoga. Mm -hmm. I went to Target and I got a yoga video and it was <laughs> Kundalini. It was Gramuk's video. And I had everybody who came through my house in Boulder, which was a lot because, you know, in the tour world and the music world, yeah. everyone goes through Colorado and goes through Boulder. <laughs> I would encourage everyone to do that video with me. And so I was turning people on to Kundalini, you know, from the young age of 20. And then I had trouble finding teachers with the Kundalini. So um, I really dove deep into the, the drugs and all of that, especially after my friend commit suicide. Yeah. And I finally just realized, you know, even working in the music industry, I felt like kind of a rock star in my own sense. You know, <laughs> if I look back at it, you know, I was pretty spoiled and went to concerts and treated all VIP. You know, it was great. It seemed great in the moment. Yeah. And you just realize it's this isn't enough. Yeah. And so I I um, followed my heart, not my mind, but I followed my heart and I left, you know, I lived at the base of Red Rocks Amphitheater for seven years, worked there for 10. And I picked it all up and I went to California to study acupuncture and herbs, Chinese medicine, went to one of the best schools in the Bay Area. Awesome. And Sonatum Carr was part of the studio I was at. And, um, and what was that studio called? Divinity. Okay. Divinity cool. Yoga. She's actually just moved and back to Santa Cruz. And it's in Santa Cruz? It is, okay. yeah. And, you know, I think that the universe moved me to California to really connect me deeper with my spirituality. Mm -hmm. um, within a week of being there, I was having lunch with Gramuk, and I just I set my intentions. You know, the music industry was wonderful. I did what I wanted to do with that in my twenties, and um, I was just ready for way more. And, and music is such a beautiful way to bring people in ceremony. I really believe that our culture is lacking in ceremony mm -hmm. and connection. And that's really, I, I believe, why a lot of us go to drugs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Kundalini is like this this connection that it's like the high that we were all looking for. Yeah. In a natural way, you know, you just liven, enliven yourself so much through the breath. Mm -hmm. And as an acupuncturist, I love the Kundalini because we work so much with angles in the body, which is cleaning out and, and energizing the meridians. Mm -hmm. The meridians, you know, they're energetic pathways within the body. Mm -hmm. And so you just feel so alive. It's true. It's true. Um, so you grew up mainly with your grandparents. Mm -hmm. Was there any religion? Did you grow up with any religion? No. Well, it's funny. My best friend, two doors down, she was um, a Southern Baptist. Her parents were both children of Southern Baptist preachers. Oh. And my grandparents, we did not go to church, but I wanted to go to church. Mm -hmm. So I went with her. And, you know, Southern Baptist is like, wow. You know, so I would go three times a week. Yeah. And I remember one day they were like, we don't believe in dancing, wearing makeup, or going to movies. That's what they told me. And I knew then that something, it wasn't right for me. Right. <laughs> and so I stopped doing that. I started questioning all things religious. You know, I started going with the girl across the street a little bit. And I don't remember what happened with that. But, you know, for a long time, I just thought, okay, that might have been one of the key moments of confusion for me where I didn't know which end was up. Yeah. Yeah. That search for something, but yeah, like this, I feel like a lot of people that find their spirituality, they 
go through the drugs and the alcohol before they find the spirituality. So, and you know, they open up the chakras and gave, you know, it opens up a different part of the brain. I don't regret any of that. That was part of my path. Exactly. Yogi Bhajan says a beautiful thing. Um, in one of his sets, he said, people ask him if yoga is a religion and he says, well, it is, and it isn't in religion. You have to believe something specific. And in yoga, you experience that, which you want to believe. And I practice all styles of yoga, but the Kundalini, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, as you know, gives that experience. Yeah. That's what I was saying about the meditation. I did TM for a while and I was like, yeah, I was good and all, but like, Kundalini meditation makes shit happen. It's just so different. It does. It's that whole different experience. So, and that's, I guess that's why we became teachers, right? Because <laughs> we want to spread the word. So, did you become a Kundalini yoga teacher first or did you do acupuncture first? Kundalini yoga teacher. So, and you did your training in Santa Cruz? No, I did it um, in, in Colorado. Oh, do you, you did before you left? Out? Yeah. Oh, okay. And Dial has passed away. Um, oh, yes, that's right. But he was coming out from New York and Subak. It was Dial Singh and Subak yeah. doing the training. She's in Creststone, still doing training. Mm-hmm. And Subak was my teacher. Yes. Okay. And so they're both. Dial Singh was like Yogi Bhajan's right hand man. Mm-hmm. And um, really, we just felt super honored to be a part of his teachings. And. Um, but yeah, I actually postponed going out to California for my acupuncture training for a a year so that I could stay and do that training. Okay. Okay. And so then you went out to California to Santa Cruz and how long did it take you to do your acupuncture school? It just seems so overwhelming and intense. It was so brutal. I never would have signed up for that had I known what it was going to entail. (laughs) I I joke that my little angels tricked me into doing Mm. that. It was five years. And during that five years, I did an extra two year training up by San Francisco um, specializing in a specific style of acupuncture that works with the emotions. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's kind of this idea in five element acupuncture that um, something happened when, when we were very, very young that traumatized us. And I always use the example, you know, mom took the basketball from me and gave it to my brother. And in that moment, I realized the universe doesn't center around me and it kind of stunts our energy. It's shocking. And whatever element, long story short, our energy is in at that moment, whether it's fire, earth, metal, water, wood, Mm -hmm. becomes a weak link. And so every time we go out of balance, whether it be from the food we eat to the air we breathe, it goes out of balance in that element first. And each element has an emotion associated with it. Right. I love. Water would be fear. And so some people just always have fear kind of running their their life, you know? Yes. But I I know in my work, in my life coaching, I always go back to childhood childhood reprogramming because I believe every trigger you have always goes back to childhood trauma or childhood belief system, you know, your limiting beliefs or just your beliefs in general, even if they were good beliefs, you know. So I believe in that, um, going back to the childhood, that it's so true because I know zero to six is like whatever's imprinted in your subconscious. And like even to the age, I think it's like 21, like you're still getting things imprinted into your subconscious. So I believe that. And I love how that 
ties in too with like the different elements. And I, I believe so deeply in all of that. And I believe your childhood is the root of a lot of causes. Yeah. Well, you know, Yogi Bhajan says this, and we speak about in Chinese medicine, how we go in seven year cycles of growth. Mm-hmm. Chinese medicine says women go in seven year cycles and men go in eight year cycles and then 11 year cycles of intelligence and 16 year cycles in general. Mm-hmm. So if you said 21, that would be three life cycles of seven, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like something happens at each of those <clears throat> years that are um, kind of just to toughen us up on some levels, you know? Yeah. And something shocking might happen when you realize, okay, I'm really on my own. Like, this is really all about me. And we start building defense mechanisms. Like, oh, I'm not good enough, so I'm going to be the smartest. I'm going to be the prettiest. I'm going to be the healthiest, whatever, the funniest, you know? Yeah. And those become like our defense mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I love teaching the most, and I do online programs with it, is the the rebirthing series. Yeah. And you Yogi Bhajan, you know, he taught like 5,000 times and didn't repeat a lot of the same things, but he brought this rebirthing series to us towards the end of his life saying, this is the highest level of healing we have to offer. And that has a lot of sets. It's really just powerful breath work and some meditation with mantra. And, mm-hmm. um, and mantra means to cut through patterns of the brain, right? Yeah. So you're, re- you're really going into your subconscious and you're saying, okay, you know, when these things happened when I was seven... And there's a whole there's a whole set yeah. around you know reprogramming yeah. the traumas around age seven and age eleven, mm-hmm. and you go in you know I play the gong and you're meditating and you're, you're like okay you're in a very safe comfortable place where you can access those memories and you can just kind of chant around it, look at it, recreate the story around it. Mm-hmm. Okay, in that moment, yeah. right? I was to learn compassion. I was to learn to be a healthier person or whatever it is, you know, and you, you reconfigure how you look at that memory Mm -hmm. and therefore it is very life-changing. It's very transformational. Yeah. You have to want to go there though. Right. (laughs) I finally realized why people are afraid of Kundalini. Yeah. People are (laughs) resistant. Yeah. And even in my coaching, I had, you know, people, it brings up a lot of emotions to go back. I mean, people are surviving. They, suppress that for a reason, you know, and they're surviving and they're just going on. They don't want to think about it. But I think that's really the key to healing the wound is like, whatever that trigger was, you go back and whatever you were feeling in that moment, you go back and you reprogram it to how you want to feel. What you need in your current life is like what you need or what you needed then is like what you're needing now. And it just shifts things. And it really works. I believe in that childhood reprogramming. And I just, I, yeah, I kind of was the same too. I put that wall up, you know, when I was in my twenties and it's just like, go, go, go. Don't think about it. You're a strong person. You don't take shit. Like everything is like, everybody thinks you're a strong person, but really when that wall comes down, everybody has their stuff, you know? And I just, yeah. Anyways, I just believe in you know, it so and it much. doesn't have to be difficult as a no. thing, and that's why I think the essential oils and the acupuncture can be very beneficial as well to get it moving. And sometimes when people start doing Kundalini, emotions do come up because it's moved something that's been stuck. But you got to feel it to heal it, right? So mm-hmm. then you you bring it up, you tell yourself it's going to be easy, you allow it to be easy. You don't have to get stuck in the trauma. Yeah. You look at it, you see it, you see, okay, I, I became like this because of that, mm-hmm. and this Awareness. way really isn't working for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm wanting to transform that. <laughs> 
that. Yeah. And then you can you can move it, and it just gets easier and easier. And when we clean out the subconscious, Yogi Bhajan calls that place, the subconscious, the um, storehouse of misery. Mm-hmm. And so it's those self-limiting beliefs, like, I'm not good enough. I wasn't good enough in this moment. It's not all about me. Those are buried in the subconscious, like you said, you bury it. Mm-hmm. But then it really starts to run the show, those thoughts. And you start making, we start making decisions based on fear yeah. because of things that happened decades ago because we don't want to get hurt. We don't want to get, you yeah. know, rejection, any, all of this stuff. Right. Yeah. And so we stay little, like it, a, a full subconscious weighs us down and it shrinks us to where we're not expansive anymore in this universe. We're not mm-hmm. creating the things that we want to create, but we're attracting more of that which we don't want because mm-hmm. we're coming to life from a place of fear or anger or grief mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, like. Yeah, or, or su- just not being worthy, that self-worth where you just don't feel like you deserve it. Oh my gosh, isn't it great? We have the Kundalini. Like, yeah. what did we ever do without it? I know. I mean, I did go away from it. That's the, that was the beautiful thing. We talked thing. about this the other day, going away from it, dropping it, leaving it's it. It's actually powerful because then you realize, okay, that really didn't work. Like (laughs) I found these tools that worked Mm -hmm. and it's a practice for a reason. You know, you, it's, you know, accumulative. Yeah. Keep practicing. Yeah. You gotta make it a habit. And when, you know, and we, when we first start doing Kundalini, we're cleaning out decades worth of stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, and then it becomes a practice to where you're cleaning out the stuff from yesterday because it's not like we're not going to ever have thoughts. I'm not good enough. It's that we learn not to, um, let those thoughts run the show. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And again, those thoughts go to the subconscious and then we continue to practice our Kundalini. And then you have the tools to deal with that. Like before you're just like, I have these thoughts and like, I'm going to just get drunk tonight and not, not think about it. Now it's like, okay, that thought came up. You're aware of it. You have clarity and then you have the tools to like shift it and get rid of it, you know, but like you said, you're, these things are always going to come up. You're going to have a point in your life where you, you know, you go through a breakup and you feel like you don't have self-worth and, or you have problems saying no, or just all these little things or like setting boundaries, all those things. But you, Kundalini gives you those tools and you just become stronger and stronger. And what's so awesome is I think of Kundalini as this opportunity. I do believe in reincarnation. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, okay, whatever I wouldn't want to take with me into another lifetime, Mm -hmm. Kundalini gives me the tools to transform it. Mm -hmm. And you can even think of it like if you don't, if that's not your thing, you know, patterns keep resurfacing until you heal it. So if you've been in an abusive relationship, because maybe your dad was abusive to your mother and you saw that and that became, you know, whatever. And so you got into this habit of doing that yourself, being in an abusive relationship. Well, until you start looking at these patterns and healing it, which is what Kundalini gives us the tools to do. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be this big dramatic thing. It can be easy and simple and beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's the power of the breath. Yeah. It's the power of the mantra. It's the power, yeah. you know, it's, it's a powerful tools that have been around thousands of years. Yeah. So that when you're in your next relationship, you don't have that same pattern saying, Hey, you could heal me. I'm begging you to heal me. I'm begging you to, you know, to deal with this. And until you do, I'm going to keep giving you abusive relationships. Yeah, exactly. It's like when you're ready to shift those patterns, it's like, um, what do they call it? As, uh, ancestral karma. Yes. Yeah. Like if 
I have no self-worth and I have no boundaries and you decide to have children, what are you teaching your children? Your children see these things and they're going to grow up to be the same way. Every now and then there's that person that has that clear vision and they're like, I don't want to be like that. But most of the time we're just going to keep passing these things down until you become aware and just have that clarity where you can see those things and be able to notice them and be aware of them and then be able to let them go through kundalini yoga and meditation. Well, that's the thing about, I think the beautiful thing about the Me Too movement mm-hmm. is um, if you talk to women, if, if you've been, if a woman has been raped or, or you know sexually assaulted, chances are her mother, her grandmother, her great-grandmother, mm-hmm. chances are that's the ancestral chain you're yeah. talking about is like these events or karmas or whatever, things to be worked through, mm-hmm. get transferred to your, you know, the next generation. And so those generations, like our grandparents, they weren't talking about getting molested, you know, maybe, but not the, not the norm. That was not the norm. You suppressed it. They suppressed it. Women have been suppressing this for however long. And now it's just like, you know, coming to the surface, Mm -hmm. like a, a, boiler cooker or whatever yeah. like it's just coming up yeah you know? and, and these women they're healing it and that's gonna stop hopefully that karmic chain that goes through the generations mm-hmm. because you know it, it has been a very hush-hush subject but if you can get a woman to open up chances are like her mother you know but she might not even know that her mother went through that because they kept it Quiet. Mm-hmm. It was a shameful thing. Shame. Shame is a huge thing. And that's, yeah, that I, I, I'm so overwhelmed with that. I'm like, I can't even talk about it. But yeah, shame is the number one thing of like not having self-worth and not having boundaries and, you know, not talking about it. And I think it's so wonderful. And so many people can be helped if someone just is strong enough to share their story. You know, it all comes down to love or fear, right? And so shame, you can boil any emotion down to love or fear. And so shame obviously boils down to fear, fear of looking bad. Like so many of our decisions are based on fear of looking bad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If we could just get over that, Mm -hmm. people would make a lot more movement in their life. Yeah. And being vulnerable is like a bad thing. Which it's like so powerful and I'm learning that a lot. Just like having this podcast and like everyone telling their story and being vulnerable. It's like, it feels so good to put it out there. It's scary and, you know, some people might not like it and reject it. But, you know, once you build that self-worth and you realize that other people are like you and are sharing your story, it's, you know, you don't care anymore. (laughs) Well, it's judgment. It's People judgment. People that are judging might not be out there sharing their stories. They might be afraid to share their story. A story yeah. is just a story. It is what it is. Your past, your path. I yeah. mean, you know, yeah. I have friends. <laughs> I have friends that, um, you know, would be horrified if they knew people knew that they had done drugs. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, well, I just see it as, you know, I'm not like. I was going to say I'm not broadcasting it, but I guess I am. (laughs) (laughs) You're not like bragging about it, but you just had another journey. Yeah, it's it's part of the path. I'm not ashamed. I'm not afraid that people are going to judge me because I feel like if they're judging me, really, that's more their problem than my problem. That is more their problem. (laughs) And that's the beautiful thing about Kundalini too. It really helps us step into our 
ourself to the point where we're okay if people judge because we we realize that that is really more there. I'm not going to own it. I'm not going to let that stop me from doing, you know, from being on my path. Yeah. Yeah. And that was my first awareness was like how judgmental I was of other people and myself. Yeah. And I was like, why do you give a shit what they're doing? Or why, why are you caring so putting all this energy into like what someone else said or what they're doing? And that was like my first awareness. And it just helped me through so much. And then I just stopped. And I, you know, you still do it. Like everybody still has their judgments, but like human instinct for sure. Like sometimes I'll judge people that aren't that judge other people. I'm like, wait, I'm judging you for judging other people. You know, you'll, but you're more aware of it and you can like dissect and be like, okay, why was I so judgmental? Yeah. Observant. That's the interesting thing about Facebook. You know, it's like, if you're noticed, like you'll get on Facebook to like take a time out, you know, you know, and then you're like exhausted afterwards. Mm. And I think it's because you scroll through Facebook and you're just without even recognizing it, you're constantly judging like, oh, I like her dress. Oh, I should pay attention to this post. Oh, I should like this. Oh, I don't like mm. that. Or, mm-hmm. You know, and by the time you get off, you've just been judging people yeah. without even recognizing it. True, true. Social media in general is such a uh, like I love it, but at the same time, I hate it. You know, like I do love to like just scroll on Instagram and just like, but yeah, you're so right. You're, or you'll see someone's picture and you're like, what are they doing? You're comparing yourself as well. But I wonder if like when we are in that place of judgment, if there's something that's just so out of alignment in us, like some piece of fear that is in our subconscious, that's keeping us from doing something in a forward movement along our path, like to do this, I, this podcast is a big thing. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I can only imagine maybe there was a little bit of time where you were like, oh, I got this great idea. But then like, there's all these reasons why you shouldn't do it. Oh, yesterday <laughs> I was like, what am I doing? Oh my gosh. What are we putting out into the world? Like I just said all these things and I was like stumbling and I like wasn't articulating what I wanted to say. And I was, I was judging myself again and being hard on myself. And I was like, who cares? You're learning with every episode, you know, you're learning something new and who cares? Like most people aren't even going to notice, but I was already like judging myself and being hard on myself. And yeah. Cause I think people judge more when they're, they're judging themselves more totally because they're not in alignment with something, mm-hmm. whatever it is. I'm just one of those people that I'm always super hard on myself. I'm hard on myself as a mother. I'm hard on myself in my yoga practice and my meditation practice. Like I was telling City Cottom, like I used to be so hard on myself. Like if I missed a day of meditation, I was like, my whole day's ruined. And I just thought the world was going to end, you know? And it's like, sometimes you just can't do it, you know, but it's okay. It's okay. The world's not going to stop. Everybody's still breathing. Like, you know, but I just, yeah. And I'm working on not being hard on myself. It's, but it's a control thing from my childhood. Yeah. I was a control freak because I couldn't control my environment around me. So I'm a perfectionist. So therefore I'm hard on myself. I know where it comes from at least now, you know, I'm like, just not. And that's the beautiful thing about the observing with no judgment. And that's what meditation gives us the ability to do. And we, when we tune in at the beginning of a Kundalini class, Mm -hmm. Om Namo Gurudev Namo, it's like you're tuning into that place where you can observe 
with no judgment. Observe yourself so that you can let go and transform, but there's no judgment. Mm -hmm. And Yogi Bhajan would say, um, you know, the beautiful thing about yoga is the only person you compare yourself to is yourself. You're not comparing yourself to anyone else. And in Kundalini, one of the ways it differs from other styles is that your eyes are pretty much always closed. Mm -hmm. Like you are going inward. It's not about stretching your biceps or stretching, you know, it's not about that as much. It's definitely about, you know, and it's very much a science. You know, you close your eyes, you gently roll them in and up so that you cross the optic nerve and you stimulate the pituitary mm -hmm. gland, which is the master gland of the body. Mm -hmm. tells your entire body to chill out. <laughs> it's okay <laughs> yeah. to meditate and relax. And, um, you know, that's what I think scares people is going inward and mm -hmm. looking. But like I said, it doesn't have to be a scary thing. No. You can just consciously choose to see it, transform it, let go and move on. You don't yeah. have to get stuck with it. Yeah. Letting go. <laughs> yes. Letting go. And that's the whole like shadow self too. Usually when you're judging somebody, it's an aspect in yourself that you don't like. Sure. And it's like Yogi Bhajan said, like, see that the other person is you, yeah. you know, it's like, it's, it all rings true. And I've noticed that too, whenever someone's irritating me or I'm just like not into them, I'm like, yeah, what's, what's up with me? Yeah. You know, like, what is it that I'm not liking about that situation and why does it trigger me? And it's usually a childhood thing. <laughs> so. And we're so defensive too. Like humans are so defensive. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about how like in a partnership, in like an intimate partnership, if we could always be conscious of that and when there is an argument and someone says something to you, it's like if that person could just hear it as if it was being said to themselves because mm. they probably need to hear it just as much for mm. them to be noticing it and bringing it up. That's the whole mirroring concept. Mm -hmm. The other person right. is you, yeah. right? One of the five sutras. And, um, and then not get defensive, you know, like we're such defensive. It's like our nature to be defensive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if we could just really be with something, including the meditation, including whatever we see during the meditation, including whatever the partner is bringing to the table that could spark an argument, especially if you get defensive, because yeah. that just takes the energy up like a fire, Yeah. right? If we could just hear it, be with it, accept that that's how the person feels and acknowledge it versus defending ourselves, then the world would be such a you know, much more peaceful place. Yeah. And you, and you come from a different place when that happens, you come from more of a place of compassion. And yes. sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes I have to go through like the judgment. <laughs> I have to go through the judgment and resentment to, to see and let it go, and then come back with compassion. Well, it's interesting because, like, if you read the book, um, it's one of the Abraham Hicks books, Ask and It Is Given. You know, I have never... Oh, I should give it I'm, to you. It's yeah, my favorite gift to give it's people. It's so funny because I'm so into manifestation. I've read almost oh, everything so except for Abraham Hicks. Well, I just picked it up recently after, you know, 20 years or whatever, and now I'm like... It's my favorite thing again. It's learning to manifest your desires. And yeah. it's this emotional scale. And there's like 15 different things. And, you know, joy is at the top. And, you know, Yogi yeah. Bhajan would say happiness is yeah. your birthright. Yeah. Yeah. And any other emotion is just a block that needs to be cleared to get you back to happiness. Mm -hmm. And so what 
Abraham Hicks is talking about Esther and Abraham Hicks, whatever Mm -hmm. they're talking about. um, We manifest our desires from this place of joy and enthusiasm. And that's where you manifest that, which you want to manifest, but we're always manifesting where it's a law of attraction. And so if you are depressed, you are attracting more things to be depressed about really. Mm -hmm. And so what their idea is you're constantly reaching for thoughts that take you up that emotional scale back to a place of joy and enthusiasm so that you are manifesting from there. So they actually say depression is like the the lowest, you know, I think it's the actual lowest, but then, um, anger, resentment, worry, Mm -hmm. those are all still reaching for thoughts that are up the emotional scale. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So when you said that, that's where, where my mind went, you know, and it's like, if, if you're not manifesting something quickly, there's probably, um, there's probably, um, resistance. Yeah. And I think manifestation comes from self-worth. Yeah. You know, if you don't have self-worth, if you're depressed and you're down, you're probably lacking in self-worth, but if you're feeling good and you're like boundaries are set, um, you are going to be more in that joy level, you know? So I think it, I think manifestation really comes down to self-worth. And if, like you said, if you're not manifesting something, you have a block somewhere. Yep. And, and that's, that's one of my favorite Kundalini mm-hmm. Kriyas is uh, removing subconscious blocks mm-hmm. and subconscious stories as yeah. part of the rebirthing. Yeah. Um, my friend still talks about that one. I took the rebirthing book up to my dad's and my best friend growing up. Um, we did that one and she still talks about it to this day. I don't it's know if potent. she's even practiced it again, but she's like everything shifted and I had let go and like, like, yeah, she still talks about that meditation to this day. I was like, we need to do it again. But, and she only did it that one time, but she was like, it was so powerful. Like, yeah. I mean, sometimes when you, you know, you first do the Kundalini, it's, it's just moving so much that's been ready. It's been like begging you, like your soul has been like, I've just been waiting for you to find this and do this and move this so that we can, you know, do what we came here to do, create mm-hmm. what we came here to create. Cause you yeah. know, I really believe that purpose is in your heart and, you know, we all came here with a certain purpose and so many people are working jobs that aren't necessarily their purpose and they know it on one level. And so they're down on that emotional scale of depression or whatever yeah, it is. Self-worth thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Fear. Mm-hmm. And, um, the energy hasn't been lifted enough to fulfill the purpose. Yeah. And people die like that. People die and they yeah. haven't transmuted any of that. So when I go to Kundalini and, and I, you know, I'm like, okay, maybe I don't feel like meditating, but I'm going to do it because yeah. I know on the other side of it, I'm going to feel amazing yeah. and things are going to be in the perfect flow. I'm going to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Gramuk said there's no such thing as an accident. There's just being in the wrong place at the wrong time because your pituitary isn't working. Mm. Gramuk is why I got into Kundalini yoga. I just was Googling something. Um, I, I, I said this in my intro and I said it in the last episode as well, but I joined the self-realization fellowship, the teachings of Yogananda. And I was just like, I want to know more about Kriya. I didn't really even know what I was getting myself into. I didn't know a lot, um, but I was searching for something and I Googled Kriya and 
this video of Gurmook came up and I was sold. I, and I too got her videos and they're like totally like from the seventies or something too, right? But they're 80s. timeless. They're awesome. They're so timeless. And yeah. That, I started, well, that one, that main one in Maui. Yeah. 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 I started doing that one and yeah, she's the reason why I found Kundalini yoga. <laughs> <laughs> she's like the grandmommy, you know, she's I think 76 now. I know. She's amazing. Yeah. She's really so cool. Is. Um, so you teach currently at Samadhi. So tell everybody kind of like what you're doing. I know you teach like a Sunday class at Samadhi that's gotten pretty big. And yeah, we have a class. great community, a great, yeah. really great community. And so I call it, it's like going to church, you know, <laughs> but we're experiencing that, which we want to believe. So we do, we have a really great community. I play the gong and the singing bowl. And I'm kind of like, my new addiction is to percussion instruments. So I, ha- I just ordered a new crazy thing. I don't even know what it's called, but (laughs) an instrument the other night. And, um, I'm teaching a Wednesday night class now at 7 30 PM. And I have a retreat center that I work out of this beautiful home up by Red Rocks Amphitheater, Mm. um, which is all sacred native American territory. So just outside of Denver. And I do a lot of retreats there. I'm leading, um, two trips a year. It seems like is a go for Peru. So Mm. we're leading, um, trips to Peru, I'm getting ready to do a trip to Jamaica in January and Mm -hmm. retreats are, I love the retreats because it gives you an opportunity to really just dive in Mm -hmm. and experience what a daily practice like that does, um, and really get a big transformation Yeah, and just make a habit of it, you know, make a habit of the practice. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Just making the habit. We talked about that in the last episode too, is, you know, once you make it a habit, even if you do fall off for a day or two, you're going to go right back in. And that's the most important part is making a healthy habit of it. Because you recognize, you recognize what it feels like to not have it. And, you know, so I do do online programs as well. I really love teaching the like live online classes. You know, you can reach more people um, that way, which is great and it's convenient. And then they're just, the videos are available there for you if you miss it. Um, So I do the rebirthing series and another one called Awaken Your Purpose. Um, but that, you know, the beautiful thing about the online things is they come with like a 40-day meditation. Mm-hmm. And so many different cultures and teachers say it takes 40 days to make or break a habit. Yeah, yeah. And we always say if you find a meditation you like, you do it for 40 days. Mm-hmm. And if you skip a day, you start all over. Start over. And that's why you'd be hard on yourself. But I've learned to just laugh because I joke all the time. But it's true. It's taken me three years to do a 40 day meditation. <laughs> yeah. Some people I used, and I was telling city <laughs> caught him. I was so strict. I never like missed a day ever. And then I did a level two and we had this 90 day one and I started over so many times. I think I'd never even finished it. I, mean, I don't think I ever finished it. And like now, but when you, once you make it a daily habit, you don't have to like, keep count of the 40 day because you know, you're just going to do it. And every now and then it's good to do the challenge. If there's like a specific one and you do it with other people and you kind of hold each other up and it's kind of fun. Um, but yeah, once you do it every day, you're gonna do it. I usually do them over 40 days cause I'm so into whatever it is I'm doing, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's fun. But yeah, in the beginning, the challenges are good cause it makes you get into that habit for sure. Well, and I think it's a practice of not 
being hard on yourself, yeah. you know, and just being like, uh, I mean, I've gotten to like day 28 for some reason, 28 was, is like my thing. <laughs> and then, you know, if you tra- like, I travel a lot, you travel and mm. you just forget to do it. Yeah. You get distracted. Yeah. Whatever the reason, you know, and it's like, I used to be hard on myself too. And now I'm like, Oh, you did it again. You know, just, just laugh. And I mean, yeah, you know, no one really gives you a prize. <laughs> yeah you know yeah exactly and no one's really hard on you either except for yourself yeah yeah okay so um there's a couple of questions that I ask um and you might not have a favorite or you might have several favorites so I ask everybody what is your favorite mantra oh well okay um I love had hare hari wahe guru because mm-hmm. um I've just really realized that I, what I love Kundalini for is the ability to manifest and create mm-hmm. and how quickly it helps us move through obstacles, which would be satanama, mm-hmm. but um, just create and manifest. And I'm a, become a very, very fast manifester. I, I have to say, I mm-hmm. think I have. That's and awesome. um, other people say that. Um, and HUD, H-A-R, that represents the creative seed of potential, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's a new idea, a new project, a new way of being, right? Mm-hmm. HUD. And then HUD-A, HUD-A is like putting that idea into action. So it's not just an idea. Now it's an action. HUD, HUD-A, HUD-E, like yippee, HUD-E is the final form mm-hmm. of it. So now it's manifested. And then Wahe Guru is wow, how excellent it is to mm-hmm. merge with the divine. Yeah. With the idea, right, that everything we do is a co-creation between us and the divine. We do our part. The divine does the divine's mm-hmm. part. And I just really resonate with that. Yeah, yeah. I love that one too. Um, I will go ahead and put it in the show notes so everybody can look it up and read about it. Um, and then I want to ask what meditation or Kriya are you cu- currently doing? Well, I'm doing the Gion. The Gion um, Kriya. Oh, my God. Everybody's <laughs> doing that one. So is City I Kong. know. Everyone really is. <laughs> and the magic mantra. I've been doing the magic oh mantra. Oh, my God. That's the one we said, too. We're Did both... she say that, too? Uh-huh. I know. It's, well, this is the funny thing about Kundalini. is it's so funny. I notice it as a teacher, and I, I know we all do, that teach, like, it's like universal consciousness, right? Yeah. Like you'll wake up in the morning and so many of us will say we taught the exact same Kriya that day without knowing yeah. it because it's like we pick from that same umbrella of consciousness. You know, like when we meditate, it's like we go up into this this oneness and people always talk about this oneness. Well, this oneness to me is like where we are when we meditate and we remember we're all here to uplift the planet. We're all here to experience life, experience joy without judgment And, um, you know, and then when we come out of the meditation, we've created a place, a space in the mind where guidance can come to us. And it's in that place of silence and stillness and, you know, the meditative space where the guidance comes and tells us what our unique part in that evolution is, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. So I feel like it's true. Like a lot of us always are doing the same. Yeah. I was doing Gyan Chakra Kriya until a couple of weeks ago and then I switched it up. Now I'm doing long Ekong cars again. I do that one a lot. And Mm -hmm. I do that one a lot when I drive. Yeah. Almost always when I'm driving. And then, um, I, I've been doing the one for miracles. Yeah, okay. for lots of different reasons. 
Yeah, I love it. I love everybody's all tuned in. Okay, um, so if you could recommend a book, teacher, or video, something that's just totally inspired you and influenced you in Kundalini, what would you recommend? Well, what I recommend it could be if, several things too. Okay, when I, what I recommend to people when they're first getting into Kundalini is um, the Sadhana guidelines. <laughs> that's what City called it. Oh, really? Too. Yeah. I mean, it's just such an easy. It's just you know, it's it's basic. You know. Yeah. Um, Kundalini Rising, that red book is a good book. Mm -hmm. Just people's unique stories about how their Kundalini, you know, how they got into Kundalini. Um, those those are great. And I the rebirthing book. Yeah. I just feel like go big or go home. No. <laughs> it's, it's I just think the rebirthing is like really potent. And what's cool about the rebirthing is it's a series of 30 classes, right? Mm -hmm. Uh in that book. It, it like all of his lectures mm -hmm. are typed out, mm -hmm. so you can read his lectures. And you know he talks about like at the end of the rebirthing, there's all of these sets around um, reprogramming whatever emotions we accumulated while in the wombs of our mother. Oh yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> it's so true, and that's why I was telling Sidi Kadam, I'm like, I wish I would have had Kundalini when I was pregnant with Harvey. Yeah, you know, but you know. Everything works out. That wasn't my path. <laughs> well, I was gonna, yeah, Gurmukh. That's what Gurmukh, you know, really loves is her. Um, what does she call it? the Kalsa Way training? Yeah, yeah. It's like a wig, but you go and you 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 learn how to be a good mother and how to meditate while in the womb. And he talks, you know, Yogi Bhajan talks about that in the rebirthing book of like how the soul comes into the body on the 120th day, which is like the fifth yeah. month. And yeah. then you kind of start absorbing whatever your mother has going on, which I'm, I can only imagine is when fear starts to kick in, if it hadn't already, you know, I mean, how are you going to get this baby through the body is one big fear. I mean, just that, just all of it. You can never be prepared for having a child, you know, I'm like, why didn't anybody tell me? But it's like, no one can tell you. <laughs> there's, just, there's no words for it. So I forgot it all about that. There's so much in the teachings. I love it. And I love having this conversation because I'm being reminded of all these great things. And it's so funny because today I opened up Sadhana guidelines and like took a look at it again. I have the old, the first edition. Uh -huh. And I, for some reason, I didn't even remember that I had the first edition, but I kind of thumbed through it this morning. It has, you know, a lot of the like gemstone kriyas in it. Yeah. And yeah. explains, it just breaks it down really nicely. Yeah. And so you teach on a regular basis and you have your own practice doing acupuncture, mm -hmm. um, and you have your online stuff. And at the end of the um, at the end of this, we'll see where everybody can find you. Um, but if you had any advice for anybody that wants to start their own holistic, you know, business, what advice would you give them? Meditate, do har hare hare wahe guru. Yeah. Get the book Success in the Spirit by mm -hmm. Yogi Bhajan. Yes, I love that one. Mm -hmm. That's a really good one for creating a mm -hmm. a practice and getting rid of any self-limiting beliefs and keeping you focused. And you know, people in this industry have uh, tend to have trouble asking for money. You know, putting value on it. Um, which or they have limiting beliefs about money. Limiting beliefs, mm -hmm. and it's abundance. It's abundance stuff, mm -hmm. and you know that's the that's the cool thing about Kundalini too. Is it's like 
we're not taught to like go be in a cave with no food and no nothing like that. That's spirituality. Yogi Bhajan is like, no, you came here to experience all the beautiful things that life has to offer, including abundance. Of course, there's, that's not greed. You know, like we have the meditation for prosperity, the HUD, HUD. Yeah. Yeah. He'd say, don't do it over 11 minutes because you could be greedy. Mm -hmm. I mean, who can't spare 11 minutes in their day to do a meditation for prosperity? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I like how he talks about there's room for everyone too. Cause a lot of people are like, Oh, there's so many people doing that. I can't do that. You know, like who's going to listen to me, but everybody's different and unique in their own ways. And, and I always remember that when I'm like comparing myself, I'm like, Oh my God, there's so many life coaches now. And the coaching's like a thing. And, but I just always remember him saying there's room for everyone. There's room for everyone. We all came here to create, you know, yeah. people are creating darkness and that's why there's, there's all the more need for us to create the light and to hold that space. You know, yeah. the darkness is getting, it's rising, rising, rising. It's no time to dim the light, you know, <laughs> and they yeah. really are like, you're going to attract people, you know, that you resonate with, you know, I mean, because of this interview, I might attract, I attract a lot of people in the music world, you know? Yeah. Cause I worked in the music yeah. world. Yeah. And Even as a hairdresser, that was the best advice that I got from, um, the person that, um, I trained under. He was like, cause you know, I was like, Oh my gosh, like I'm different. And I'm, I, you know, I look all punk rock, but like, I love to do beautiful hair. And like, I had all these like insecurities and he was like, you're going to attract people like you. You're going to attract the people like you. And it's so true. He's like, it just, it just happens. Like you will just attract those people. And so I believe that true in it's everything really that I've done. So true. And the thing about the holistic world is now people are more open to it. I remember when I got into essential right. oils, like some of my dearest friends are the head distributors of the young living essential yeah, oils. Yeah. And I remember 15 years ago when I got into it, people like when I was working with the musicians, they didn't, they didn't know about the oils. They didn't want, they didn't want to smell. They didn't want, they weren't sure. And I had to tell, teach them. I had to teach them. And now when I go back there backstage, they, they all know about the essential oils. Like it's old news <laughs> yeah. because you get so much further in your massage, you know, yeah. or your acupuncture. It mm -hmm. loosens the muscles up. It relaxes everything. Um, oh yes. You're a massage therapist as well. I, am, <laughs> I forgot yeah. to put that in That's there. That's what I was doing in the music industry. <laughs> yeah. 20 years of that. Um, but now for me to do a massage without essential oils, it's like way too much work because the oils do have the work for you. You put them on these areas of adhesions, you know, knots, mm -hmm. um, and it just melts it. And then you can go in and just kind of knock them out without having to be quite so aggressive on the person to where they're sore for days, you know? Yeah. But my point is now in this world, people are recognizing with our healthcare system and everything, like we need to take care of ourselves. Chinese in China, um, Doctors don't get paid if you get sick. They take care of you, but their their job is to prevent you from getting sick. Mm -hmm. Totally different from this culture, I know. Yeah. But it's preventative medicine, and so that's what people are recognizing now is that if I do get acupuncture, I don't have to wait to get acupuncture until something's already gone wrong. If you do acupuncture once a month, you are going to align... 12 organs in your body. There's 12 pulses. There's 12 organs in your body. Each organ has a pulse. Mm -hmm. We take your pulses. We can see which 
organs are working too hard and which ones aren't working hard enough. And then we pick a point that will take energy from one of those organs and distribute it evenly to another organ Mm -hmm. so that you're balanced. And when you're in balance, you're way less likely to get sick. Right. I know. I've been meaning to come see you forever. I need to do that. I'm like, I, 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 I feel like I have a kidney thing. I had to heal my adrenals, but I still feel like there's a little something there. So I'm always like worried about my kidneys and my liver. So I need to come see you because that, yeah, preventative medicine and just the power to heal yourself too, like is becoming more of a thing. And, you know, people are like, you can't do that. I mean, you can heal things with a plant-based diet, you know, like you can reverse these chronic illnesses. And I know there's still people that don't believe it, but I love where, um, the holistic businesses and doctors and things are going. It's really fantastic. There's more room now. There's more room than yeah. ever. I know. It's, it's a amazing. really good time to be getting into this world. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. there's no there's only you know the thing about it is it's a lot of one on one work. So it's like I can't you know you can't there's only so many hours in a day. Yeah. How are you gonna heal everyone, you know? Yeah. And doctors, the number one people people the number one reason people go to the ER is low back pain. And low back pain is like, are you kidding? Like, you don't need to go to the ER for low back pain. You can do Haskriya for that. (laughs) There's so much. There's essential oils, a massage, any of these things, you know? Yeah. Yoga, spinal flex, you know, lots of different things. And, or you could go and get Xanax or or whatever they give you for, you know, painkillers, painkillers. Oh, I know. Or going to the emergency room, which I've experienced the last couple of years, I never used to get sick. And the last couple of years I've gotten really sick and, you know, I'll go to the, just the clinic or whatever, emergency clinic. And they're just so antibiotic happy. And I'm just like, Oh God, I don't want to take this, you know? And it's just like, I always, you know, I only go to those kinds of places if I'm like dying, you know, but yeah, the and they're not going to, give you a holistic well, version of whatever with someone now actually who has C diff, mm-hmm. which is something that, um, from taking antibiotics, the antibiotics wipe out the good flora yeah. in your belly and then the I bad know. flora takes over and they call it C diff. C stands for some bacteria. I don't yeah. remember the full Latin name, but diff stands for difficile, difficult mm-hmm. because it's very difficult to treat. And this person's lost over 30 pounds and, is very, very, very sick, actually. Oh, God, that's too bad. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, let's do a little shift. I kind of want to know what your morning routine is like. Okay. Your daily routine. Like, what do you do when you first get out of bed? What do you eat? Mm-hmm. What's your... Okay. So, it does shift. I will say that. <coughs> but um, I get up and I typically do at least... I mean, sometimes it's 11 minutes, sometimes it's 33 minutes, and oftentimes it's close to an hour of um, meditation and breath work. And so I do a lot of breath work first, and then I do the meditation. Um, And I like to drink my lemon water, Lemon water, warm lemon water with some maple syrup in it. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. I need to get uh, get better with that. I drank water this morning before I drank my coffee, which is good. I'm like, I need to drink more lemon water. 
I try to make myself drink a, a thing of water before I drink any caffeine. Mm-hmm. I do love my caffeine. Mm-hmm, I too. love my caffeine. And um, I so then I'll put essential oils all over me. I'm really into Taibo right now in kickboxing. Oh. So then I've been doing that, and I make it very meditative. You know, like I use my mantra while I'm doing it. Uh, it's something that I did 20 years ago, and I just got back into it in the last couple of years. And it was the first thing I found that I wasn't as good at as I was when I was in my 20s. So I instantly <laughs> signed up for a membership <laughs> yeah. and pulled out yeah. my meditative skills. That's great. And so my meditations in the morning depend on um, lots of things. I had until very recently when my grandmother died and I was traveling a lot for her death before that, I had been leading a two-and-a-half-hour sadhana a couple of times a week. And... Um, that's the Aquarian sadhana, which is a big part of Kundalini yoga. I just mm-hmm. stopped doing that. And I'd say more often than not, my practice revolves around about an hour in the morning of different meditations with breath techniques. That's awesome. I was just um, saying I need to add more pranayam to my Yeah, a lot of routine. that I do for vanity. <laughs> Yeah, well, your skin is like so I pretty. That's why so I'm like, what's your morning when I routine? I do a lot of breath. Technique. Yeah, no, you can tell. You can tell though. You have really beautiful skin. Well, so. thank you. But it's it's interesting. Like meditation makes. I'll just speak for myself. Makes me look so different because I think when I get stressed, I I get puffy. Like I retain water. Yeah. And so when I meditate, like when I go to one of those day events, I mean, I feel like so much water weight just comes off of me mm-hmm. because I'm, for whatever reason, not stressed. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of med- I feel like, and I joke with people, I'm like, even if, it, even if vanity is what gets you into meditation and breath work, so be it. Cause then you're going to get all the other added benefits. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being vain. Everybody no. wants to look good, you know, <laughs> and if you can like add a little bit of it into your meditation. Heck yeah. I mean, I do a lot of spinal stuff for that. Like my cat cows, I know keep yeah. you young, like in India, what do they say? You're uh, judged by how young you are, by the flexibility of your spine. Yeah. Your, your age is right. Um, something like that. Your age is, wait, I just had it. Your yeah. age is a reflection of the health of your spine. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So lately I've been really into doing cat cow every day and doing my spinal twists and you know what? My back doesn't hurt anymore. <laughs> like I'm moving that energy and like keeping it like oiled up, you know? So, so I do like five simple warmups, you know, yeah. the, the simple, like the cat cow, yeah. the, the spinal, why well, don't do cat cow, I do the spinal flex. Yeah. You know? Spinal flex. Yeah. Which is like cat cow, but seated. Yeah. Know? So I do in the twists, you know, like I'll do those several my of those and then I, I do my meditations and you know, a lot of times I do it like seated on my couch. Mm-hmm. Like I have this one firm couch and I'll do it all there to wake mm-hmm. me up before I go and I do anything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do the Kundalini to like really activate and awaken. Yeah. It's not like you have to have a ton of motivation because the second you do a few minutes of breath techniques, you're wide awake. Yeah. No, it, it it's just that mind shift. And that's what I was also saying the other day is, um, I read something the other day and they were breaking it down. They're like one one minute of kundalini yoga, your aura starts changing. Uh, three minutes, it starts doing this. And like they broke it down by the minutes. So I tell people, 
you know, I usually give people kirtan kriya to start off with, you know, just simple sata nama. And I'm like, if you can only do it for a minute to start off, you're going to feel something. You're going to feel something shift. Three minutes, you're going to feel something shift. Yeah. You do it for 11, 31 minutes. Yeah. It's magnificent. But like if Whatever you do is going to do something. So just start off small. It's okay, you know? It's okay. And then you're just creating that habit. You're forming the habit. Yeah. So if you don't, if I don't have the full hour, you know, like I've been doing the, the miracles one for 31 minutes. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll just do it for 11 minutes. So yeah. I've been doing the, um, the, the, um, uh, the magic mantra for 22 minutes. Oh, that's awesome. See, we, I just do the say it five times a day. I, do it with Harvey just to kind of, especially if I'm noticing some kind of negativity. You know what the one I'm doing right now, I didn't even mention it. I've been doing it for quite a while too, is the one for Grace that um, Grimoke just brought it and she said that she wasn't sure we'd find it in a book. I've never seen it before, but it's really, it's simple. It's three part inhale, one part exhale Mm. through an open mouth like you're sitting a straw with your hands. And then you switch each day. And I oh, just, yeah. I can feel that one in a couple of minutes so strong mm-hmm. that I just am so excited to do the rest of the 11 minutes. So I do that one for 11 minutes. I do Shitali breath twice a day for about three to five minutes just to mm. prevent, you know, because anxiety was something all the way back into my childhood being tossed back and forth between my mother and my grandmother, I had really bad nerve problems mm. and really bad anxiety. Like they used to have to pull over on the side of the road so that I could throw up. Mm. So anxiety was always a thing for me. I think it is for a lot of people. Now yeah. it is for like, like everybody. Everyone. I think it maybe wasn't the norm then. Now yeah. it's the norm. It used to be normal for me and I, I hardly know. ever get anxiety I anymore. don't get it hardly. I mean, something really bad has to be going on for me to get it. But like, I used to get it just in social, being social, like having to yeah, like do too. something and like, it was really bad. So, so I do Satali breath twice a day, um, to prevent that. And I've done that for so long. Yeah. I remember that's... you mentioning that a while back. Um, yes, I definitely need to put more breath work into my habit or into my daily routine, but I do always focus on my breath just in general. Like I make sure I'm not holding my breath. I make sure that I take deep breaths all throughout the day. And then if I am having like a little bit of stress or something, I make sure that I just do a deep, deep, deep yogic breath. And it's just like, you could even hear me in the last podcast. You can hear me taking my breaths, like, cause I'm just like so in tune with that. But yeah, breath is everything, and I definitely need to add more to my practice. I love it. I love it. Pranayam, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, fear resides from shallow breath, you know. Right, right. Yeah, Chinese there's... medicine is a beautiful way of kind of explaining that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and, and explaining, you know, the liver holds on to stress, and the one the organ that controls the liver, the only organ that controls the liver, you know, it's the lungs and large intestines. So the ability to take in new breath, which I think of inspiration, like from the divine, right? Mm-hmm. We're breathing, we're like getting or grasping inspiration from the divine mm-hmm. and that the lungs work with the large intestine, our ability to let go so that, you know, we can take in something new. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. And if people are holding on to garbage from a relationship 20 years ago, you're not quite able to take in the new fully. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's all tied in. I love that. All right. Anything else you want to add to your morning routine? What do well, you do? Well, then it goes with yeah, my what dog. Do do? So I've got a 17 and a half year old dog. Oh, yeah, Gemma. Yeah, I go in and out of the cold shower habit. If you were wondering about that, I'm not into that right now. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard when it's already cold outside, but that makes you look young. Oh my God. The, the cold showers are so amazing. I don't know why I ever veer from that one. But you know, I when did. I lived in Santa Cruz, California, we were in such a drought. We only took cold showers and you would turn the water on and off, on and off. And then you'd have the bucket underneath the, the spigot so that you could water the plants with the water in the bucket. Oh, yeah, I was yeah. in the redwoods and we yeah. got, you know, our district was out of water. Wow. And so I was so conscious of it for so long. And I feel like now I'm just like, oh, I can take a hot shower. <laughs> yeah, it's a luxury. I know. I do the I ice my face in the morning. Like you do? Yeah. Like I try to every morning, like after I make my coffee oh, and everything. I just get ice. And like if I'm not if I'm I don't have time to take a shower that morning or I'm just like not wanting to put my whole body in, mm-hmm. which is like really hard on certain parts. You're like, oh I just do the ice on the face. Yogi Bhajan would say specifically the chin. I remember him saying, if you really want to be clear Ooh. and focused, you let the cold water just run yeah. on your chin. I thought it was your chest for some reason, but. Oh, well, it, it would probably go to both. Yeah. So yeah. For both. I remember him saying something <laughs> along those lines, but yeah, the icing, the, the, it's called Ishnan, right? Yeah. Is that the cold shower? So I'll put that in the show notes so you guys. Um, I know some people do like, what is it, ice dunking? Uh, it's kind of the same well, I love thing. That. I mean, it I shocks love your that. nervous system to get it like moving and up and running. And it opens up the blood vessels. You yeah, know? it opens up the blood vessels. And then when you get out, all of your blood vessels are just like flushed and new, fresh, you know, freshly awakened and cleansed blood just goes rushing through yeah. your vessels, which warms you. Mm-hmm. So you're actually quite warm when you get out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to start. I'm going to start it again. Tomorrow. I know. I want to start again. Too. I did I it right it. before it got cold. I was kind of get. I was taking a warm shower, but then I do the cold at the end. But for women, you're not supposed to, um, if you're trying this before you look it up, you should really go read about it because with women, you're not supposed to get the t- top of your thighs wet because of the calcium. Yeah. And I wouldn't do it during, see Chinese medicine um, is anti-cold anything, you know? Yeah, well, so, I don't like cold water. I don't eat. A woman, I don't like a woman around cold. her menstrual cycle, I wouldn't do a cold shower. I would just do warm showers. Yeah, you no. want to get the warm, you want everything moving and flowing. Yes. Yes. Um, I try to avoid the upper thighs. Um, just, I kind of stick my limbs in the cold water instead of just like being completely under it. I like stick an arm in and I'll like put my back in, put the back of my leg in. I do it like by body part, but yeah, look it up. Ishnan, I'll put it in the show notes. So if you're interested or they are divine and it's hard at first, but right after you're like, Ooh, that's what is that? It feels good. So my mornings have a lot to do with my little close to 18 year old Jack Russell right now too. And Mm -hmm. she has a big routine too. She has a diffuser with essential oils and I put essential oils on her and I give her supplements and, you know, CBD really works for her to, Mm -hmm. it's anti-seizure. So yeah. 
that really works for her well and Aww. take her on her little walk. She gets about she gets a, she has a big morning these days too. Aww, that's so sweet. And what do you eat for breakfast? That absolutely shifts. Right now I'm doing kind of one meal around noon or one. So you kind of skip breakfast. I, I do that sometimes too. Hey, I'm so, see the Chinese medicine practitioner in me says the best time for you to have a big meal is between seven to 9 AM because every organ in your body, there's 12 organs in the body, 24 hours in the day. Mm-hmm. Each organ has two hours where it works at its most optimal capacity. Yeah, right. And so seven to nine is stomach. So in Chinese medicine, as an acupuncturist, we say seven to 9 a.m. is the best time for you to have your biggest meal. Mm-hmm. I'm finding for me right now, it works best for me to have a meal midday, mm-hmm. bigger meal, and then yeah. eat very light or minimal in the evening. Yeah, I think intuitive eating is kind of the way to go because I will... Right now, I'm like eat, eating breakfast every single day. I'm making this like beautiful breakfast every single morning and then kind of skipping lunch. But usually it's the opposite. I kind of don't eat much in the morning and then I would eat. So it's just like whatever I'm feeling, it's like intuitive. I don't eat in the morning because I do my yoga and then I go do my kickboxing or typo or whatever. And then I come back, I walk my dog again. But you don't have I like eat. a drop where you're like, oh, no, I, I feel great. I, I don't. Well, it's good that you don't need it. Yeah, that's what I do. I put my oils on, you know, and then I, I typically work more starting early afternoon. Yeah. I like to do all my stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. Um, I know if I don't do stuff in the morning, I won't do it. Like working out or any of that kind of stuff. I have to do it all in the morning. Um, what's your favorite essential oil right now? Well, I love sacred frankincense Mm. and young living is the only company that makes that. It can help you get that if you need help getting it. Mm -hmm. Um, sacred frankincense has the same frequency as the pituitary gland. And so, um, that, that again is what we're kind of meditating on when we meditate Mm -hmm. by having our eyes focused at the third eye. And I just find it really helps deepen, deepen the practice and deepen the meditation. And, you know, I mean, in modern day society, we have as much stimulation in one day as people had in their entire lifetime. <laughs> and so I feel like, you know, it's good to have a few tools in the toolbox. Mm-hmm. I know there's some Kundalini practitioners that I've caught a lot of slack for putting oils. No with, sense. Yeah. No, yeah. No sense. Or Kundalini is powerful enough. You don't need essential oils and that's fine. Essential oils are you know, my essential oil friends would probably say essential oils are strong enough. You don't need the Kundalini. To me, I'm like, I just want to be happy. <laughs> Hell yeah, girl. That's all <laughs> that matters. I found that it really helps. I go much deeper in my meditations when I use some sacred frankincense. I put some in the palm of my hand and then I take the other fingers from, you know, and put some on my third eye mm-hmm. and then put some on my heart. And I put it on the upper ridge of my ears because mm-hmm. those are emotional points. Mm-hmm. And then I rub the rest on my wrists, which are heart points. And then I inhale because it's inhaling essential oils. You can increase the oxygen to your brain by like 25%. Wow. And we have yeah. emotional receptors in your nasal cavity too, so they're just going to make you feel happy. Right. Well, um, I used to do doTERRA, but I switched over to Young Living and because um, my dad was all into Young Living and... It's funny today when I was downstairs in my library and I was looking at the sadhana guidelines, the emotional book 
of essential oils popped out at me. The blue one? The blue one. Okay. And I was like, oh yeah. And it was funny because, you know, you work mostly with emotions, right? Mm -hmm. Like a lot. And so I was like, oh yeah, the essential oils for emotions. I forgot about that book. I remember I was like so obsessed with it when I first got it. And I've kind of gotten out of the essential oil things, but the other day I brought out my Vitruvi and I put um, the Young Living Abundance in there. Which I abundance, love. Yeah, yeah, abundance, yeah. So. Well, they say that um, the ones you don't like um, are the ones you need the most. Just like when you resist the meditation. Yes. Well, there's it's some the people thing. that just can't stand abundance. And they're always, from my experience, always people that have total lack of abundance in their life. Yeah. And they just think it's horrific, the smell of abundance. And, Interesting. Um, and I, actually when that was pointed out to me, because I was one that didn't like the smell of abundance at all. And it was pointed out to me by uh, my friend who I said is, she's been in the industry uh, longer than anyone, probably most people in this country. And um, she told me there's something in your past that associates a smell that's in abundance. Um and there's patchouli in abundance. And that reminded me of being a dirty hippie. Mm. And she's like, I don't even smell the patchouli as much as the cinnamon and the clove. Yeah, I, I smell the, yeah, that's what I smell. And to me, all I could smell was the patchouli. And I literally t- changed my thinking around that. And now that's one of my favorite oils. And the next day I made like $2,000. It was so crazy. Like doing like, see, that's so awesome. Yeah. See, that's how my dad is like, he puts a bun, he has it in his shop and he's like, things just come to me it's when I, true. Put, he's like, every time I put that abundance in there, it's just, things are it's come really to me. <laughs> they have, they have their own frequency. You know, mm-hmm. the oils are powerful. Mm-hmm. They are powerful. Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer. I love teaching about the oils. I love sharing. I love empowering people to be their own doctors, which is what I think you can do with all these technologies. Yeah. We were just talking this morning how lavender I think is like the best thing for burns. Oh, it is. Yeah. Like that's the only thing that takes the pain away. Yeah. It's like insane. Well, and this is where you have to be careful because the FDA has, says that essential oils only have to be two to 10% pure to be labeled 100% pure. Right. And so you can get a lavender in the store, like a cheap lavender, five or 10 bucks. Right. Yeah. That that, um, cause the stuff I use that we use young yeah. living, you do not get it in stores. No, no. They're not manufactured like that. <laughs> you need to know what you're doing with them too. And yeah. so that's what I, I like to teach what, how to use them. Um, and I can help people with that. But anyways, they like to put lanolin in lavender, which lanolin by itself is a fine herb, but it's not lavender. Lavalin, lan- Landolin, wait, Lavalin, Landolin, <laughs> Landolin, just confused myself, will take a second degree burn to a third degree burn. But lavender is like the best thing mm-hmm. you could possibly use on a burn. Yeah. Yeah. We were just talking, uh, my friend said that her daughter got burned and she like had the, needed the lavender oil and that was like the, oh, everybody's like, put mustard on it. She's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, no, because they work in a restaurant, but um, I've never heard that. Yeah. I never had either, but yeah. So, um, I know I want to, I need to get some more oils. I kind of got out of it for a while cause I'm either all or nothing. I get yeah. like crazy obsessed into something and then I overwhelm myself and then I'm like, okay. So, but the other day I was like, Oh, I'm going to get my diffuser out and put abundance in. Cause that's been my thing. Like the energy of abundance in every form has been what I've kind of want to work on right now in my life. I always have the 
the diffuser going now and partially because of my dog. My dog, I thought I was going to lose her this summer. Like I said, she's almost 18 mm-hmm. at Jack yes. Russell. And she literally will, and I put lavender in it a lot for her because it's mellow. Yeah. But she'll just like find the diffuser, which she's partially blind. You know, she'll mm-hmm. find the diffuser, diffuser and just lay by it Aww. and just like look at it. And I know it's making her feel really good. Yeah. So yeah. I always have that going for her. Yeah, that's great. Um, okay. What anything else you want to add to your morning routine that what you do? Oh, my morning routine. I mean, that's pretty much my morning routine, yeah. I think. Yeah, right then and there. And then you go to work, get going for the day. Yeah. Um, okay, let's shift it a little bit and then um I want you to tell us where everyone can find you. So um, I like to ask this question. What book are you currently reading that's not related to Kundalini Yoga? I guess you said Abraham Hicks. Uh, well, no, I always kind of have that. I'm reading this. Um, what's her name? Oh, gosh, I don't even know what it's called, though. It's called Boss Up or something like that. Like, she's in a young living person, and she just came up with this. It's, it's like, like an a, entrepreneurial. It's like an, yeah, it's one of those entrepreneurs. Leslie Teague is her name. Oh, okay. It's called Boss Up, I think. Cool. That's actually, that is what I'm reading. Any, <laughs> anything else that you're really into? Is there a podcast? Are you binge watching something? No, I'm not. I have mantra playing pretty much all the time. Like I always yeah, have, I go through those phases. Yeah. Yeah. I just have mantra in the house. I leave it on for my dog. So when I come home, it's already playing. I have it in my car. Like I chant a lot throughout the day. If I'm cooking, I'm, I chant cause I'm not really that great of a cook. So I figure the chances <laughs> of it being better or, or being good or way better if I'm chanting. Yeah. It's and that's true. And that's the thing about mantra. I want to tell everybody as well as you can get benefits from just listening to it. So if there's a, like when I put magic mantra into the show notes, you can go on Spotify and look it up and they'll be songs of the mantras that you can just listen to. And that energy, you're going to get benefits from just the energy of the mantra. It changes the vibration. Yeah. Like sometimes when me and Harvey are like having like some difficulty and you know, we're not in the mood to like say a mantra together. I'll just put a mantra on and like everything will just shift. I mean, in my garden, I play Jop G. When I plant my plants in the garden in the beginning, I'm like, oh, let's do a little Jop G and, you know, everything grows better. And it's, it's amazing. Mantra is amazing. I've been leading, you know, the online course, the rebirthing course, which I'll start again. And so I've just been kind of combing through that. What's that saying? With a fine comb tooth or whatever that is. With a fine tooth comb. So I've been reading that book a lot, actually. And I've taught that entire series many, you know, several times now um, between Santa Cruz and Denver. But um, I feel like I always get something. Yeah. I definitely always get something new out of that. Yeah, I have it pulled out right now. I need to go back. I want to read his lectures again. Um, Do you have a podcast that you're listening to a lot right now? Um, what am I listening to currently? Um, I go back and forth. I like that. So retrograde, those girls are insane, but it's all about wellness. Um, I go in and out of listening to Oprah. She always has good guests. The other day she had Pima children in her new book, Mm. which I love Pima. Um, what else. Um, I listened to Teal Swan. Mm. Um, some people think she's very weird. Um, 
I think she's very smart and intuitive. She makes a lot of sense. Um, there's several ones. I go in and out of different ones. Shaman Durek I listen to. Um, there was a new one that I subscribed to recently. I can't remember. But I also listen to a lot of audiobook while I'm reading something. I just um, listen to um, the education, the yeah. Mormon girl that like basically taught herself and put herself through BYU and Cambridge and Harvard. And while dealing with um, a very tragic and traumatic um, family relationship, it's really good. Oh, and it's okay. written really, really, really well. So anyways, yeah, there's a couple of things. Um, okay, last but not least, where can everybody find you? Okay, well, it's so funny. I'm redoing the website, actually, but it's um, my website is um, www.jackie, J-A-C-K-I, and then what do you call this? Like a dash? The underscore? Not an underscore, but like a... Just a dash? A dash, brown. So and I'll put it in the show notes. It's jb at jackiebrown.com. Okay. And oh, that's she- my email. Wait, sorry. The website, <laughs> Jackie-Brown.com. Okay. J-A-C-K-I-Brown.com. And then my email is jb at Jackie-Brown.com. We're, we're actually putting together like a, um, an app. I haven't told anybody this really. But oh, yeah. We have a little camera where we do like we film the Sunday class. Just a little camera. It's very discreet. Mm-hmm. And then we filmed me doing my class, which has been interesting, in nature. We just filmed a bunch on the beach in California and in the Redwoods. And then we edited it. And then I'm hoping this app comes out, you know, around the new year. Oh, cool. Yeah, cool. so people can have, you know, classes accessible. Yeah, and she also teaches Sundays at 10 a.m. at Samadhi and 7.30 on Wednesday nights. Yeah, considered one of the top 10 studios in the world. I don't know who got to go... Well, that. it's been mentioned on <laughs> both episodes so far because City Cotton oh, used to right. teach at Samadhi. So um, um, what else was I going to ask you? Do you have an Instagram that people can follow? I do. It's Jackie Brown 333. So J-A-C-K-I Brown 333. And then I have Facebook. I have my personal and my professional. Okay. That's, and you can always find me Jackie Brown, J-A-C-K-I. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and and just so people know about your retreats and stuff. Um, oh, they're yeah. so good. Well, this has been so inspiring having you, and thank you so much for coming. I just announced Jamaica in January, but I I have a few spots left. It's so yeah. you know, but there are a few spots if anyone wants to hop in on that train. It's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. So one. check it out. I'll put all this information in the show notes. Okay, thanks. Healing for- family wounds and getting back to nature. I think those are the best ways we can heal the planet. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Thanks well, for having me. Well, thank you so much for coming. This has been amazing. It's my big honor. Awesome. For sure. I'm so excited you're doing this. Thank you. For you and the world. Me too. <laughs> we need this. We need more. Yes, uh, I hope so. Listen and subscribe, everyone. All right. Well, thank you for coming, Jackie. Satnam. Satnam. Thank you for joining us today. And if you like this episode and this podcast, please subscribe to Aquarian Living and leave us a review. We would love to hear from you and hope you join us for the next episode.